Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I had the same scrum cap for about 15 years. It reached a point where we were, behind, we were playing a match in Musgrave Park. And uh, I think it might have been against Ospreys. And do you remember the ref, Ian Davies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he was touch judged that he was standing there. I could see him. I was behind the post. I could see him looking at me out of the corner. I said, what? What's he looking at? Like, and he goes, you know, he's got a new scrum cap. So I was like, right, I get a new scrum cap. So I said, you know what, I'll ask my agent. I'd say I've got one shoe off me over the years and one boot. They're both probably right for the ones. So anyway, he says, any chance you get me a scrum cap? And he goes, you're responsible for Adidas. Can you not get an Adidas one? I said, uh, no, I, I like Canterbury ones. Like, can, you, can you get me a Canterbury scrum cap? He goes, yeah, okay, I'll look into it. I'll, uh, I'll ask Jordy Murphy for the, to get the lens to get the Leinster bagman to get him one and give it to you. I was like, there, even if that was the case, could you not just lie? Like, are we really hitting yeah. the dregs here and over if the big Leinster pair to ask the, the bagman to get me a scrum cap? Alright, hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of, apparently it's the Duncan and Duncan podcast, um, we haven't fully signed off on that, we're open to suggestions, but we'll just run with it for now, I'm Duncan Case, your host, and I'm joined by the ever-smiling, ever-contented Duncan Williams. Duncan, how are you? Very good, I've had a few suggestions of the lemon soup, or a few things I'd have for the name, so maybe we'd have to lemon talk soup. about it after. The bald lemon? Yeah. I think something like bald, like... Bald and bald and fat, or, or so, so. the fat is directed at you, not me. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Encompass both of us. I think one flag's enough for each of us. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're also joined in studio by Ron Romani, uh, recently retired after an excellent career with Monster Rugby. Ron, you're welcome. Thanks, Emil. Yeah, thanks for having me, lads. Uh, we probably w- it wouldn't feel right to start calling you Ronan, so we, we'll just call you Mank. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got, uh, I got a name, Mank. I say I was two seasons in with Monster, and uh, Mike Sherry arrived in one day and just. Looked at me and said, "Ah, Ron no manky," and then everyone started laughing, and <laughs> that's how it stuck. So yeah. they're the best ones that stick like that. <laughs> it was uh, one of Boomer's first training sessions with uh, Munster. He's in the academy down in Cork. He obviously had a bit of a cold, like so he went for the old, you know, the snot rocket, like yeah, up the nose, landed straight on top of himself. So he was snotter for literally. <laughs> he still is, is yeah. He? Even on the board, if it was like we changed name to snotter, he'd have to rub it off every morning. So. I call him, yeah, I think I call him snotter for that, that entire time. But I actually remember I had been in France for six months, and it was the summer. It, was, it would have been two summers ago, say. And I remember meeting him and uh, him and uh, Massey, Massey, yeah, Massey Massey yeah. And uh, yeah, I was like, well, schnatzer. Very good. But yeah, Sherry, Sherry was good to, to offload a nickname as well. I remember mm. your brother, Mank, um, yeah. Barry, who also played professionally with Munster. Uh, so he decided one day after arriving in that Sherry looked like one of the lads that sells strawberries on the side of the road, the Wexford strawberries. So we started calling him strawberries. But Barry actually has quite big lips, so... Sure, he managed to turn around within about 24 hours to <laughs> Barry Pink's strawberry lips, and it was Berries O'Mahony then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I call him Berries now, like, yeah. he's in my phone as Berries. Berries, so. yeah. So. You did well to progress from sperm originally. Yeah, <laughs> back in my school days. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Mank, you retired in June. Uh, how have you been finding things? Uh, good. Um, yeah, I haven't missed it a whole lot, obviously, for my last two seasons. Uh, with Monster, I was struggling a lot with injury. Yeah. Uh, Got back on the pitch a couple of times, but never felt right. So you know, since since finishing in June, it's been it's been a it's been a nice break and a nice a, a nice break for the mind as well, and not having to think about it all the time. Mm, yeah, you can relate to that. Don't get say that's good night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was saying one of the I was just when we knew you we were coming on, I was just writing down a, a few things. Obviously, we had similar uh, career paths. We did. 15 years each in the academy <laughs> 205 A caps between us um, but no as the Dunk said you had a great career and one of the things I always found is that you were one of the hardest working wingers 
um, in the country, especially or particularly in Munster. But I, I remember we used to play a game and it felt like you were hounding me for eighty minutes. Yeah. Following me over, yeah, when you was on your bed, on your bed, you go under and over. It was like Jesus. It felt like I come off the game, I was sick shit at the sight of Mankey. Like, it was just the two of us having a conversation for the whole game. But uh, no, I, was, I loved playing with you, and I thought it was. Uh, Joe was a great attribute to have. I'd, like I remember, he used to always say to Sweet, "You know, come look for the ball, come off your wing or whatever." Yeah. Whereas I used to be telling him to go away, get back out in the wing, and get away from it. Under Williams, the thing is, well, when, especially when you're looking for the ball, little inside passes, you you really have to earn Williams's respect to get the ball. So it's like you have one drop ball, and he gives you this look of death. You're like, "Oh no!" It's like, "Don't get sorry, I'm sorry." The next one, next one. And then once you get a, uh, once you earn his trust in it, uh, yeah, it flowed pretty well for a couple of seasons. For yeah, did yeah. I thought I think we had a good relationship both on and off the pitch and I think having the good relationship off the pitch brought it onto the pitch and it only made the relationship stronger off the pitch so yeah, absolutely. as I said I always enjoyed playing with you and it was, uh, it was great to be able to play with you that many times yeah yeah we had uh, yeah, a couple of really good uh, really good days in the pitch um, yeah. and just just to go back a bit uh, Jerry Torian did a piece with Conway uh, at the weekend and it was talking about how He's had to wait so long for his first Six Nations there, I'd say. And that actually got me thinking of you because you had to plug away for a long time before you got your break with Munster. Yeah. You had to work very hard. Uh, like you came through the academy slowly, um, like like Dunk was saying. A bit like myself as well, I suppose. Um, I certainly didn't pr- yeah. propel through the ranks very quickly, but uh, you had to work hard. Like, I mean, you, you, even your future in the academy wasn't wasn't fully certain at one point. Yeah, there, like even before I came into the academy, there was a stage there when I thought it was all over. I was like, this, mm-hmm. uh, my, my chance of professional rugby has gone here. Um, I remember I'd just come back from uh, uh, the Junior World Cup over in Japan. Um, myself, Peter Manny, Conor Murray and Andrew Burke all went on it. And the, the three lads were in the academy and I was the only one that went to the World Cup that wasn't. And I was like, surely, like from... After going to the World Cup, I get in, and I remember Ian Sherwin was Ian Sherwin was the academy manager at the time, and uh, there was about six weeks left in the season, and uh, we all kind of went in for our meetings, and I was kind of expecting, yeah, look, we'll bring you in from next season onwards, and I remember sitting at the table with him, and he was, <coughs> he said, look, uh, we just don't think you're, you're you're right to go into the academy, and we don't, you know, we we feel like uh, you won't pro- progress into a full time professional, and you know, this is. The end of the road, Finn, was like, wasn't expecting it at all. And mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus, and kind of went away. He said, Look, there's about six weeks left in the season, you can finish him out. And her, Joe, look, if you, if you need to f- or head on, like, that's okay too. And sure, you get yeah. all this down in New Ellen in the classroom and, and driving out in my and like, Oh my God, this is it done for me here. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, Would I be right in saying that uh, Axel was a big fan? He was the one who kind of always kept you back involved and brought uh, you back in a few times yeah actually he did and he was a great fan of mine but it was actually about two weeks later the seniors were struggling for numbers and they had a they had a camp down in I think it was down in Yall in Cork overnight camp and uh, did a couple of injuries and did a couple of lads going away on summer tour and they were being arrested so uh, Tony McGann at the time brought me down and um I trained really well that day and I remember that, that evening I was on the phone to my mother in the lobby and uh, Tony McGann sat down a few seats up for me and he was on his laptop or whatever and uh, when I got off the phone he kind of caught me over and he was like jeez mate you, you know you play, you trained really well today and I was like oh cheers and he's like um, you're progressing the first positive thing he ever said to a young player I'd say <laughs> yeah yeah I was afraid of my life of him like yeah. before that I was Everyone like, was. completely afraid of him and uh, I say it was it could have been a, a minute conversation between the two of us and uh, he's kind of Whatever way it came up, I was like, oh, look, it's, I'm not sure what my, my plans are going forward because I've just been told and I've not been kept on the academy. And he was just kind of thinking to himself for maybe 10 seconds and whatever, I didn't say much about it. I headed on, trained well the next day again. And about two weeks later, I got a phone call saying, look, spots opened up here in the academy for you. And yeah. I don't know whether, I, I know he had something to do with it in the background, but uh, I suppose when you talk about professional careers, like it's, sometimes you need a bit of luck and... Mm-hmm. it can go either way and that, I kind of look back at that moment um, and I think Jesus that's, that could have went either way for me do you know yeah I didn't realise it was that much of a <clears throat> of a turning point I knew you I knew you'd been told you weren't going to be kept on but I thought then once they found out up the chain that it was just oh no we're, we're keeping him on I didn't realise that you, it had been let to drag on to the point where that was it and uh, that was the end of the line that was yeah for, as far as I'm concerned after that meeting I was like that's it and then as I said there I got called in and I definitely know I, I impressed that weekend in training with the seniors and Tony again definitely had a part to play in it yeah. um, and as you said Axel was always a huge fan of mine and he was he was uh, when I when I was uh, I one of my first Munster 20 squad that was Axel's first coaching gig mm. him and Ian Costello came in um, 
So uh, he kind of, I had him as a coach under 20s level at A level when we were all playing. Um, a great couple of years there under him with that. And mm-hmm. then obviously he progressed into the senior team and had him as a senior coach as well. So. Yeah, no, it just goes um, to show how, how influential how one coach can make or break your yeah. and how subjective it is. I mean, you you mentioned luck there, and I think that's something that's usually overlooked when people talk about, you know, the difference. I, I, I always think, anyway, when you get to provincial level, <clears throat> there are obviously players who will excel and, and go on and play for Ireland, but the vast bulk of people, if they're at a certain age and, and they're professionally contracted and they're playing relatively frequently, they're all at a quite a similar level and it comes down to a lot of the time is durability your 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 ability to stay injury free getting getting a break at the right time uh an injury to a guy ahead of you or, or alongside you and then a coach that likes you and the vast bulk of those three things that i've just mentioned actually comes down to luck a lot of the time you're working as hard as you want or sorry as hard as you can possibly be but if you don't get the opportunity to play or in the same vein if you're just getting a chance you get a bad injury and then someone below you in the pecking order. You know, my own position, I, I saw both sides of it because uh, the year that I broke on, uh, Damien Vardy and Mike Sherry just both had very bad years with injury and I went from, I was playing against I was playing against uh, Belfast Harlequins, I think, in Thoman Park and Nairo Donovan was there watching the game and Sherry had done his ACL the mm. night before and uh, Nado pulled me aside and he said you, you'll probably be playing a bit now and <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh Jesus because that was second division yeah. uh, AIL rugby and yeah. the, high, the highest level I'd play I'd started maybe one or two A games but I hadn't started a lot and uh, yeah I was just in and I was in for the rest of that season and was in all the most of the following season as well and then it was yeah one injury one injury to me gave Niall Scandal an opportunity yeah. Mike Sherry came back and then all of a sudden I'm down to third choice then uh, Mike Sherry gets another injury. <laughs> I make my way back into the twenty-three, and then uh, uh, another injury for me, and I'm I'm just gone out of the equation entirely. So, and like I, the the level that I was capable of playing at didn't change a whole pile through that kind of two and a half year period from when I was mm-hmm. playing for against Belfast Harlequins for Shannon to being a starter in the European Cup to all of a sudden being like very much the bottom <laughs> rung of the ladder. Like, I'm open to correction but I genuinely think that my playing ability didn't really change the whole pile and it was just down to those little things that you don't have control over I think they're the, like, I'd be the same as you in terms of durability and coaching so literally there was two or three years there where I was the only fit scrum half in the club you know, Murray was out Stroggy was in and out between his arms and he broke his leg or whatever Stroggy being Carl Sheridan yeah sorry uh, and then obviously we had Angus in Angus Lloyd in who's now with Connacht we had uh, John Poland was in the voter Aubrey Greasel the weasel was in for a while um, <laughs> still one of our biggest gripes that he got a cap but anyway um, but yeah as I said like durability I got majority of my cast because I was fit for mm. literally I think I went seven years in a row without not being available for a match Whereas previously I'd been unavailable for about six years, <laughs> from eighteen to twenty-four maybe. So it was. Um, I think that's a massive thing. Like you look at Billy Holland, the man has mm. probably only had one injury in his whole career. He, his ankle over in the over into the Tbilisi Cup, yeah, yeah. Um, and like he's two hundred odd caps. Mm. So like you see, by like nice guy, sure, sure, you'd always be like. God, he's he's so damn durable. <laughs> <laughs> well, killer. You look at the, yeah. the killers. Well. Killers had he probably had the most injuries between the weekend and his calf this season that he's ever had in his, in career. his career. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, but it's, it's just a massive. And the other point is coaching. I think you know some coaches see different things. As I said, Mankey was one of the hardest working wingers. But a coach didn't value that. But Razzy came in. I think he put massive uh, value in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would I be right in saying you're a big Razzie fan? Yeah, yeah, very uh, big, yeah. Yeah, obviously I was a big Razzie fan as well and I think he saw things in players that maybe other coaches didn't see. Like obviously Munster had some world-class players and internationals but some coaches couldn't see past that the contribution the players below them could make. Like I always go back to that game and wrestling away when he put Earls on the bench and put yourself in Conway starting. Mm-hmm. But it was there was a reason for it. He wanted... You to play 60 minutes and then or did come on for one of you and 20 minutes left the tiring wrestling team and just tear them apart yeah. but like I don't think other coaches would have seen the value in that they would have just picked the what they've deemed to be the 15 best players as opposed to what they were looking to do for that game and I think like 
the confidence that gave say you in that situation the confidence Razi gave people like me um, like over the years if the those players got injured the teams to be world class at Murray's or whatever you could nearly see the panic in the coaches mm, yeah, that yeah, oh no the next guy's yeah. in I remember last year when we played Leinster it was the week before Exeter up in Dublin and Albie got injured but about so Murray was already out Albie got injured but about 25 minutes to go but Johan left him on for another 15 minutes probably made it a bit worse and then after the game like his knee was fairly banjo so I think he tore his meat or whatever you could literally see like Johan was nearly welling up banging the physio table saying damn you to the skies <laughs> like that uh, like that Albie couldn't play the right after play the next week like, you know what I mean <laughs> but like you compare that to like say the, from my point of view the confidence I was getting from Razzy whereas he was like this guy's out next man in I don't care who it is they're going to step up to the plate I think yeah. what, he, what he built in the squad through that kind of outlook was, was massive and I think it, it showed in that, that those two seasons yeah. he was there yeah absolutely and I even even to this day, knowing that Rassi is a World Cup winning coach and yeah. he put so much faith into me as a player and I probably had my best games under him. Still to this day, it brings smiles to my face even though I'm retired. I'm like, yeah. you know. And I know it's different. It? Like Some people obviously like certain coaches, other people don't. Coaches mm-hmm. like other players, some coaches don't. So I, I get why people have different opinions yeah. on different coaches. But from my point of view, and I, I've, we've spoken about it before, I think that you were saying that the confidence it gave you it was just it was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a massive part of the game is confidence. Like you know, it just everyone has, you know everyone's doing the training. There's a lot of players out there with huge ability, and and I think what 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 Rassi did as a coach was, as you're saying there, was be able to get the best out of his players. Mm. Um, and then and then when when a player does go down, I said, all right, who's next? Next fall in. Mm-hmm. You got to do a job now, and that's that. And you, you know, he got the best out of players, and it was great to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he made a lot of big calls throughout that season. Yeah, yeah. Guys like uh, guys like Bull and Conor Oliver, <clears throat> you know, young guys who I mean, I I can't see under any other coach that we would have worked under at Munster. Anyone else giving a guy like Bull the the shots that he got, and of course he took them all. He had a fantastic season, and I remember Razzie admitting afterwards that he was he probably made the wrong call or he didn't stay true to his principles when he when he dropped him for the semi-final against Saracens yeah. um, but you could understand that there was a guy like John Diesel, John Diesel to come yeah. off the bench and yeah. it was just there's a wrecking ball coming off the bench like oh no that's going to happen here at least Razzie as a coach was able to go look I put my hands up I, I admit that I uh, I suppose how did he word it I didn't stay true to to, to the yeah. to, to the principles that I had or that yeah. I was supposed to abide by but there was reasons for it do you remember I got hit with that one and um, it was a week before the Saracens game did we play Ulster in, in Thorn Park so I was I had, I was literally as I said the only scrum half Angus Lloyd had been in training with us for a few weeks so I think the previous week or two weeks beforehand we played Glasgow and I actually tore my groin and I think we played maybe Toulouse the week after and then it was Ulster and then maybe semi-final or whatever way it fell anyway but I didn't train and remember Razzie's big thing was if you don't train every session mm, yeah. you're, you're not available for selection so it was kind of up in the air the week of the Ulster game what I was going to play and he was like look just don't train do fitness test Wednesday and if you come through that it's grand you're playing like, so I was like grand so I came did a fitness test Wednesday came through it and then did the captain's room Friday the next morning we're having the, just start, a team yeah. meeting and uh, he starts, I just want to start by saying, uh, having been true to myself, I've read the compass again. Do you remember the, the compass? Yeah, that was the compass. Said, he goes, yeah. uh, the compass was like his, his, the, the guideline. His Bible, basically, yeah, yeah, that like everyone has to abide by this. and whatever. It was like a rule book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I read the compass and I realised I wasn't true to myself. And he, uh, Duncan, you're not playing, Angus, you're starting, <laughs> you're not even in the squad. I was And I remember I looked at Damo, the physio, Damo Martin, he looked at me and he was just like, like oh shit, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> he afraid to say he had been consulted about a red yeah. thing, so. But was that? was the week before the semi was it yeah but I know but the way he said it it made it seem like that's it you're gone but that's it that, that, that's why you have to admire him so much yeah, he yeah. knew he knew that you were going to start the following that week, was that it, this was yeah. incidental you were carrying a knock there was no point in yeah. playing you whereas this was an opportunity to show that he believed in yeah. everyone in the squad and that he wasn't going to let kind of uh, like what would you say Kind yeah, of the, the experience, the experience yeah. that you were able to bring, or kind of your reliability, wasn't going to let yeah. that prohibit someone else from getting a crack at the whip. Yeah. But I remember, I, I, like, I was kind of shocked, but I kind of kept a straight face, like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> so, like, obviously, everyone down did line outs, whatever, came back into the food, and I was well, passing four or five times, and I was expecting him to say, "Here, look, I'm just you're going to be in next week. It's just to monitor, keep an eye on the grind." Like, so 
he didn't say anything like so I ended up sitting next to him at the dinner table and I was like uh, just one nerve Razzy what's the story he said, ah, don't worry you're grand you'll be in next week I was like oh Jesus Christ <laughs> I was like so I lost about six kilos in sweat I'd say waiting for him to actually say something to me like, but it was we wouldn't stay on that uh, just the, the whole, I suppose the whole team of Razia and Jacques yeah. in particular because they've obviously gone and won a World Cup and have done the unthinkable or what was the unthinkable this time 12 months ago and I think people probably have limited enough insight into what it was like to work under them in Munster I mean obviously they, everyone's gotten the sound bites and the usual the usual drivel that comes out in, yeah. in normal normal media relations stuff but um I know, like particularly you. I mean, like you essentially signed you signed the death warrant for my career, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna very much the shoe on the other foot in terms of a coach's preference because Rob Penny was a big fan of mine and mm. Axel was a big fan of mine, and then Razzy came in and I was <laughs> he just wasn't a fan of mine and like I, I've huge tremendous amount of respect for him still as a coach and I, I wouldn't let that cloud my opinion of him at all. But um, I just didn't fit the bill for him and and that's fine. It happens. No, I did I did get injured very early on in his first season as well uh, while I was playing routinely I remember like <laughs> we were getting hammered pretty badly by Leinster up in the Aviva that first like the first Leinster fixture of the season yeah. and uh, I came on for five minutes at the end it's like oh, uh, <laughs> it's come to this <laughs> I didn't even get on so yeah I didn't you? No, Leinster away never getting on unless there's an injury as I said I'll be playing lived on for 15 more minutes before I was finally sent down <laughs> But what was it, man? I know because he, he probably had the probably had the biggest single biggest impact on your career out of the three of us in the sense that like don't don't play it, like you, you played a lot over the years anyway, regardless. Um, even if you weren't kind of a, a, a regular, you yeah, still yeah. had played a lot of rugby. Whereas, man, you were still you had played, but you were waiting for your your opportunity to come in and become a fixture in the starting fifteen. And Razzy very much afforded you that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I suppose Dunk, he was probably the first coach. I suppose my career leading up to that, I was always kind of maybe my first season on a development contract I might have got eight or nine games and then um, I played occasionally under Axel as well I actually played a good bit under Axel but I never felt like my I never felt like I was really uh, was like safe, every week I used to go in I, I didn't know whether I was going to play or not you know I could have been tossed out or I always felt if there was one person to go I was going to be first out mm. uh, out of the team you know if, if someone came back but uh, yeah as you said under Rassi I very felt I felt very much a part of Jesus, I'm, I'm going to be in this week and I'm going to play a huge role every week in this team, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, just, I, I had a really enjoyable time on, on uh, playing under him. Um, he's kind of a coach. I felt every Monday when you come in for a team meeting, win, lose or draw, he kind of had this aura about him. Um, he he kind of knew how to address the team really well. He knew exactly what to say. Um, obviously, he's African-speaking. He kind of, a bit of broken English, it kind of made it more... Um, Kind of more raw, wasn't it? It was more raw, yeah, and it was, it was less filtered. He, could, he couldn't dress yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah he just, couldn't dress it up. He just had to tell it as it was, um, which made it even more like yeah, raw, as you said. Um, and it was just really exciting, even though like he was probably a scary character in a way as well. That mm. do you remember after that Cardiff the game we lost in was yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 his first yeah, he's our first season and uh, our first game of the year. We played second. Scar- this was the second game yeah. we beat. We just beaten Scarlets his first game and everything was. Mm, that's right. Everything was going well, and then we were playing um, Cardiff down below in Musgrave Park. Like we, I think we only lost by four points, maybe, but it, it was kind of the manner of the performance yeah. that really yeah. pissed him off. But I mean, yeah. but I remember he wrote like he had his he numbers on the board off the top left. He was there going, Jesus, what are they like? It was the age of all their yeah. their pack. Like but he oh, left yeah. the age was up like thirty seven. Yeah, he left it there for ages. It was yeah. like thirty seven, thirty six. There was a forty in there, yeah. I think, with the, the prop. Yeah, yeah, and he just left it there for ages. Because anyone tell me what these numbers are? But do you remember he had? So he had like all those numbers, and then he had like five people's initials uh, on the boards, and mine was one of them. So I literally, I first thing I saw, what is my initials? I said, what's that? And then he started talking. I was like. Oh shit! I'm in, I'm in fucking trouble here, like. Yeah, but yeah, stuff like that. He constantly kept you on edge and constantly kept you thinking and on your feet. But what, what, um, what did he say about the initials? I don't actually remember that. It actually, he actually absolved us of everything. He said these are only five. we all had to get. Um, you all had to write a reason why basically were such a coward for the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was basically it. He said pussies. If everybody said, "Why are we such pussies?" Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Oh. So then we we had basically it was five people. Sweets didn't even have to come into the meeting yeah, because Sweets like, so well he was like, Sweets doesn't even need to concern himself with this. He, well, he didn't even come into no. the meeting. Really. So he set up a WhatsApp group and the only one not in it was Sweets. So it was bizarre, like and uh, yeah. So the five initials were fellas who 
Do you didn't felt, have to text. Who, who felt that they actually gave a relatively good account of themselves so we didn't have to text yeah. in. But that was literally the last thing he said in the meeting. Oh, yeah, so I yeah. was literally like shitting myself for 45 minutes it went on like I was nearly I was sweating so bad like, I was nearly down to my jocks yeah. I remember yeah, I, I remember <laughs> we had to text him was, we had to text him yeah. by 11 o'clock that morning and mm, tell him yeah. literally why, 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 why were you such cowards, a coward yeah. in the yeah. game and you're thinking to yourself in the change room going oh my god what am I yeah. going to write to my head coach here just to set uh, the scene like then he, he came in we were kind of expecting you know we'd lost we hadn't lost by a whole pile but we had lost at home Ah, we shouldn't have lost oh no we shouldn't have lost but like We've lost games at home before, mm. probably in a similar enough manner. It doesn't mean it was okay, yeah. but he came in and he tore strips off yeah. the entire squad. Not just the squad, but the staff as well. Because remember, remember things like he was saying one of his gripes was the physios running out <laughs> yeah. yeah. when someone went down hurt in training. He's like, no, no, if they're not, if they're dead, leave them there. Like, that was yeah, it. He much. just so didn't mind the physio running onto the yeah. pitch, and it yeah. just showed weakness within the team. So like. A f- Fair player be absolutely keel over in the pitch and the fizzles be there twiddling their thumbs on the sideline. The impression of sitting in the dressing with ice, like this. Yeah, Yeah. I remember Billy Alfred, who had obviously played for a long time uh, at that point, um, saying that was the most cutting review uh, of a performance that he'd ever heard. And I I think it made a massive change, like from that season. I don't think we lost the game for probably 15, 16 games. A line was drawn in the sand after that, very much so. I think was I think. Or, ordinary season it was 29 out of 32 wins yeah. so that was one of them so only lost two games between and that the was semi-final September and the final uh, no but that was oh, say, or, ordinary league so there yeah, was yeah. two um, but like, Leinster that's going to happen with 29 out of 32 games yeah. competitive matches ordinary season yeah. that was it remarkable. I remember he as I said that thing where if you didn't train every session you weren't considered for selection I think that just yeah and he, bought, he, he, he stood by it as well yeah. that wasn't um, there wasn't lip service paid to that no. I think there might have been one occasion was there one occasion when Zeebs came in having not trained maybe yeah but yeah like, they, like yeah you're, that's bound to happen from time to time but in general the, but we did get bad for which remember they, we'd have we couldn't really have 10 or 15 lads standing on the sideline watching training like we got a bit yeah. oh right yeah yeah and like Half of them could have been people that were going to be in the twenty three, so it was a bit. Maybe I thought it would actually got a bit, maybe got a bit ridiculous. But, but it, it, uh, I suppose this other side of the argument when a lot of people say, "Oh, a new head coach, he needs time," and Rassi came in with us and, and got us motor and within a month, Instantly, I know yeah. he went in. Uh, he had eighteen months with South Africa and won a World Cup. You know, so that's right. It's, it's, it's possibly the other side of the argument as well that you don't always need time. You probably need mm. to create the right environment, have the right people, and and. Uh, that was it. Lay down early markers. The change he made to the culture and the environment and the way people like approached every day of training was just I think made a big difference. And mm-hmm. like I said, we had more numbers training on the pitch. We felt as more or more felt as available every week for, for matches. I was only laughing there. Do you remember the <laughs> Jacques uh, attitude drill that we used to do oh, as part of the fitness? Do you remember like after the second week we had about ten fellas out with concussion <laughs> from literally killing lads? It was yeah, yeah. Lot after that, so, yeah, Jack used to do this. So you set up it would be ten people on pads, and you'd have these lads on pads like queued. You have to go as hard as you can. So you'd be in a circle, and whoever's doing the attitude drill will be in the middle of the circle, and you're facing a pad, and you have to face one pad. The person comes at you as hard as you can. You have to drive them out of the circle, get back to the middle, down on your belly, and then the next person will come at you a pad, and you have to go around a full circle of ten people. Mm-hmm. And like by the by the end of it, I wasn't ten. No, it was, was five it? or six. But I remember well, it was four. But you do two rounds of it. That was yeah, it, so. yeah. Sorry, yeah. But remember, your legs were like gone after gone. like one hit. Mm. And I remember my the first day I did it. My group was like Crow, Daz, um, James Cronin, Darren O'Shea. Yeah, Darren O'Shea, Conway. I think Killer and like Billy or someone like I was there for fuck's sake like there's not a chance I, I remember I was they were basically just bashing me with the bag as opposed yeah. to me like driving the out it was just yeah. oh, he, he, but I think well, like the fact I think they actually appreciated that I still like I kept going and trying to yeah I don't I think the art of it wasn't to get to people up no, it was literally it was to show attitude yeah, mm. when you're getting barrel over can you still fight yeah, yeah and that's all Jack wanted to see I suppose in defence yeah he cultivated a toughness yeah. and, and he was you know like there was times particularly when the international boys are aware if we were lower numbers that he'd uh, he'd just join in like he'd join him with the opposition yeah he would I remember him uh, I remember him smashing Williams and Williams picked <laughs> him in yeah. he thought he was just no. standing there refereeing yeah yeah that was he it. dropped his shoulder yeah. on him <laughs> Close really took him off his feet, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he did that, like, he gets stuck into malls, he gets stuck in everything, and, like, he wasn't in the best physical condition. Like, he wasn't an overweight guy, but I think he was just crippled from yeah. his yeah. playing his, rugby. His fingers were a bit back there, right, Jack? <laughs> Everyone who has his fingers pointed in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then, yeah, moving on to Jacques, um, they work incredibly well as a team, but... Uh, what, what, in your opinion what was the difference between the two of them like uh, they're very much I wouldn't say it was a good cop bad cop thing because they complemented each other very nicely but they were they, there were subtle differences in terms of how they would interact with the players I think Grazi was very much the taskmaster and while Jack had really high expectations he was more about uh, getting guys to getting guys to buy into what he wanted them to do yeah, so like as far as I said, like Jacques, or Jacques was the man on the ground, like he was the fella, like bringing every, he was the glue that kind of held it all together, and, and as such, you know. And regarding defense, obviously, if your defense is so good, your attack doesn't have to be as good because you're not conceding as many points, and you don't have to score as many points. And uh, he just broke the defense down and he made it very simple, like he said. At the end of the day, it's an advantage line. Uh, when there's a collision, there's a there's a line, and you either win the collision or you lose a collision. And I suppose through all our careers, we probably would have been taught proper te- tackle technique and different coaches have different philosophies of a chop tackle and double hits. And Jack just like broke it right down. He's like, at the end of the day, it's it's a man running at you and you have to put him on the floor. Like, it's like whatever way you got to do that, you do it. Like, some lads aren't built like big six foot five, six foot six second rows mightn't be built for chop tackling, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever you got to do to get this man on the floor or to win that, that contact, that collision line, that's what you got to do. And so he made it very simple, and um, that was it. He took he took a lot of the because defense. I, from what I hear talking to guys, Andy Farrell is cut from similar cloth to Jack, and that it's it's simple things done very well and, and with a huge amount of aggression. Whereas I know, having worked with certain defense coaches, that they, they get bogged down in systems and having options and systems. Whereas with Jack, it was very much like you get off the line, you shut down the space, and you hit him as hard as you can. We used to say, "Sign your name, sign yeah. your name on him," which, which is a great line, really yeah, simple. Awesome. Yeah, we used to yeah. say that all the time. You sign your fucking name on his, uh, yeah. whatever, wherever you hit him. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and he goes like, when you sign your name, it's like if he gets up and he's like, "Jesus, who was after hitting me there?" And then he tells his friend in the dressing room, he's like, "Jesus, you get hit by that fella." And next thing, just a bit of chirping. So every time you put in a hit, you're signing your name, and that's how you that's how you make a name for yourself. That's how he said. And he used to so so like he, he basically had a level of buy-in from the players whereby the system that he wanted, particularly the wingers uh, and the backfield, say the backfield cover to operate mm-hmm. under, was virtually the opposite of what the guys were being asked to do at Irish camp, and which essentially, if you want to just give us a quick breakdown of that, Mike, that was like closing hard from the outside and trying to yeah, shut down so balls. he wanted wingers very high, like um, he always wanted us making reads. So he was especially our first phase, say off a line out to find the open winger. He wanted me counting passes, so I'd be up on the, I'd try and get up high in the line in the first pass. I get up high in the second pass, and on that third pass, he'd want me to make a read, a defensive yeah, read, his and try. Biggest pet peeve was if they get more than three passes against you. Yeah, so it was always three passes. So my job was to on that third pass to make a man and ball hit. Um, sometimes I get it, sometimes I mess it up, and I think, and Jesus, I'm after messing this up, and they might get a get a, get a breakaway or whatever, and in a, even in a review. He'd be like, no, it's exactly what I want you to do. Don't change it. Keep doing it. Keep going after it. The good thing about his was, even though he was telling you to make, for you to make reads, that people always say, if you're making a read, you got to get man and ball. But his thing was, man and ball, brilliant. But if you manage to get there and put their skill set under pressure, where yeah. the pass isn't on the money, goes on the ground, sticks the guy outside him for a second, where the yeah. lads inside you can cover you. Like, to him, that was just as good as getting the man and ball out ideally get men involved but if you manage to affect their skill set where they don't get yeah. the, the ball away perfectly like the, for me that was a massive change because people say so bogged down that you need to be highlighted for 10 minutes in every meeting that if you've made a read and you didn't get you man involved yeah. yeah do you know what I mean yeah. like, so I, I think that was a massive change in, in just the outlook yeah. and approach to how something could be seen as a negative but he nearly didn't make it a negative, negative. he still saw it as a positive yeah. what you could do outside of that so I thought that was yeah so like the, the better you get it at the end the more you try it the more you start mm-hmm. finding yourself really high in the line making these really good reads that can be like momentum swinging hits especially mm-hmm. in those wider channels and then if you don't make it he kind of shows you a scenario goes okay if you didn't go for that read and you went on a you went on a jockey which is a bit softer and wait for your 13 you kind of end up tackling them in the same yeah. spot yeah well if you go for that read put your skills under pressure let your 13 swim under if they do get the ball away, you're still going to catch them in the he's same spot. He's probably taking it at a standing start, yeah. or, he, or he's um, adjusting to catch the ball or whatever. Yeah, so it's kind of... And it's, it, it kind of, I think a lot of the problem, because analysis plays such a, an important role now, and it's obviously a vital part of preparation and, and reviewing games, mm-hmm. but I think it definitely affects, or it definitely feeds into players' psyches to the point where they don't want to get caught making a mistake and they don't, get, they don't want to get rinsed in the video. 
mm. where they don't want to have their stats negatively affected mm. by making a bad call whereas yeah. with Jacques it was just make the call and I'll back you if you're following if you're doing what I ask you to do even if it doesn't come off then it's my fault and I will take all the blame for yeah. it all day. Yeah. and I had one of those scenarios off kickoffs as a <clears> winger he was wanting us to chase incredibly hard off kickoffs so I'd be flying and Obviously, if a number eight or a winger catches in the backfield, he can step you pretty easily because you're going at such pace. It only takes a little shimmy. And I'd be going down as missed tackles because I'd be trying to get him. You know, it'd be like half a second is all you have to work with. And uh, and I asked Shock, I was like, look, can you not put me down for missed tackles because I want to keep going for these big big hits like I think they can pay off for us. And he goes, yeah, no problem. He, he saw the benefit in it and said there's no major risk. I think the defensive line behind you will catch him regardless. But if you can fly and get him, man and ball, uh, I think there's a good reward from it. So, yeah, he, he was very open to, yeah. to to listen to that as well, you know. And in terms of how though how that was different from what the Irish guys were being asked to do out in the front rows, obviously, so I've limited uh, limited understanding of it, but uh, the Irish guys under, under Joe Schmidt were being asked to hang back a little bit so that they were able to cover kicks. So I remember one area that teams used to try and... Um, uh, try and target Munster when we were working with that system was they'd put balls in behind to the corner and it would be a bit of a scramble now it would rarely actually result in points being conceded but it was totally the opposite picture of what the the lads in Irish camp were being asked to to, um, to provide and uh, I remember him apologising in meetings just saying like thank you so much thank you so much mm. for doing this I know you're going to get shit for this this is probably going to count against you but thank you for buying into the system and I mean that goes to show how much respect he had in the yeah. group and how much play- a guy like Keith Earls who has X number of caps for, for Ireland and has that experience if he's able to um, or if he's willing to like paint that picture and potentially put his reputation on the line a little bit yeah. um, it just goes to show the influence that he had in such a short period of time Yeah, I don't. it wasn't massively like the idea was pretty much the same where you'd only have two fellas covering the backfield yeah. whereas it when we were at Munster, we, like I could have been there. So basically, the nine, the two wingers, and the fullback were nearly interchangeable in mm-hmm. on the edges of the line. Whereas I think maybe in um, in Ireland it was probably fourteen with fourteen up flat and fifteen directly behind the ball, and then the wingers would have to read body language. So if a, a ten shaped the kick or a nine shaped the kick, that winger then drop should read away. that and drop and cover the space straight away. But it was nearly it was pretty much similar maybe just a manipulation of it but it, so it wasn't that much of a jump for the lads to make from going from Munster to Ireland but when that was brought into Munster first by Jacques that was a big jump from what we had been doing so we used, See, we used right. to kind of have a pendulum in the backfield which was yeah. kind of standard really yeah. for most defences yeah. so when the big re- jump would have been going from our old defence in Munster to Jacques' defence and then I, it was still a transition into the Irish one but it wasn't as big a, a jump I'd say so Jacques' system actually helped them I'd imagine understand Andy Farrell's one. Yeah. And when you bring that line speed, you can never defend everything. You can't defend yeah. the corners, you can't defend the crossfield kick and bring that huge line speed. So you're going to be vulnerable somewhere. And where teams probably saw us vulnerable with that massive line speed was those little chips yeah. over the top. And uh, even with South Africa in the World Cup, um, I remember New Zealand had to resort to keep crossfield kicking just to get the space into those wider channels. And, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a so high risk kick pass like you're trying to do mm. rather than trying to get around a team. And it, you know, I, I liked it. I thought it was very effective. Yeah. And what made Jacques' story really interesting was that he didn't come from a rugby background at all. I'm not sure how many people would be familiar with that, but uh, Jacques started off as a physio and kind of transitioned into strength and conditioning mm. and uh, eventually moved into to rugby coaching, yeah. um, specialising in defence, obviously. But now he's the head coach of the world champions. It's a pretty remarkable story in itself. Yeah. But the fact that he was the physio background obviously helped him over here because that meant he was a qualified medic so he could be down on the side of the pitch so literally if we kicked the ball out of play the other team had a line out he'd be screaming in what the play they were going to do which was unbelievable because we'd know straight away he'd be, have run through it in the meetings all week he had his pieces up on the wall in the meeting room of like the plays they run if this set up this set up this set up what plays they run so that's all well and good having it but then when he's literally right next to you shouting it it's it's unbelievable. It just makes the the game so much easier. Yeah. Uh, so I found that very helpful. Was it Glasgow that <laughs> yeah. demanded to see his, his papers? Yeah. 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 What a yeah. pack of wankers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. There's always serious gripe between Munster and Glasgow. Do you remember that old? Um, did, we were there at the time we were warming up behind the post over there, and that old bollocks of a 
don't even know if he's bald boy. He looked like uh, Uncle Albert out of Only yeah. Fools and Horses. <laughs> he's bald. He's about 65 and we started keeping the ball away from him in the end because he kept trying to take it off and wouldn't let us warm up with the ball. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. just that kind of little... Sh- <laughs> and they used to give us the shitty dress room with the cold showers. Always. Yeah, I did never. That was the thing. You go over and there'd always be cold showers. It's like they've done this on purpose. Yeah, every <laughs> time. Yeah, that was, a really, that was a really cool kind of year. Was it five, five times? Big Glasgow, yeah. Big Glasgow. Yeah, in one season, I mean... You're going to hate any team, regardless of how well you've gone on at the start of that yeah. season, if you have to play them five times in one season. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's good to have an element of that throughout your season, a team that you really, really yeah. dislike, and I think that definitely adds a bit of spice to proceedings, particularly in the Pro 14 nowadays. When it, I mean, even in the last pretty much since the South African teams have arrived, but particularly last season, um, it it deteriorated a lot in terms of how competitive most of the games were throughout the season like I remember obviously in France in France the, the kind of old stereotype about French teams which is largely true is that French teams can't travel and they will never win away for a moment <laughs> based on my own experience here that's, that's literally the case like as in we the amount of games we battled uh, on the road with Grenoble I remember against Stade Francais we were 17 nil up after 20 minutes in Paris and we lost the game and that happened like similar enough things happened a number of times throughout the season but that's kind of a well-worn stereotype, but it's but it's accurate. And I remember it was about four months into the season, and I was listening um, to uh, Off the Ball uh, while I was in France, and they were comparing the success rates for home teams in the two competitions. In top fourteen, it was seventy-five percent, and pro fourteen, it was eighty-seven percent. And I was quite shocked by it. But what was starting to happen was that teams were just sending over dummy teams, or not dummy teams, but but very much second string yeah. teams because they weren't going to bother targeting games where they were coming to the likes of Leinster uh, yeah, Munster yeah. or other strong teams so I think it's the more of those really bitter rivalries that exist the better Munster are never going to send over a weak team to Glasgow yeah. they're never going to send a weak team over to Munster either because as long as there's players that are experienced that season uh, I think there'll always be a desire in there to just go and, and stick it to them whatever happens yeah. you would agree with the old uh, journeys home in the in, in your Grenoble, uh, it's your journeys home in the Grenoble in your Grenoble times, didn't you? The, the route you have to take to drop off. Oh, so certain... the journeys, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Could you tell us about that? Well, which was it? Well, to drop off to the, the, the coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had to. So, so basically, our defence coach lived kind of on the outskirts of Grenoble, so it was kind of on the way to most of the places. Uh, most of the places we were going and uh, we'd always have to take a detour to drop him off like um, just just before the toll there was a very small detour but by the time you by the time you got the bus there you go through the toll drop him off turn back around go back out the toll and get back onto the motorway about 10 minutes like between all the jigs and the reels so I was uh, yeah yeah we, we were on the way back from Claremont and I was we were drinking on the bus like as you would we were after getting hammered in Claremont <laughs> and uh, it was a long enough journey home it was about five hours I think and I remember being fairly fairly hammered now and uh, uh, the Polynesian lads were always great for, for sneaking a bottle of whiskey onto the bus okay. uh, so they'd always one of them would always have a big leader Jack Daniels like that he'd bring in the gear back on the way there so they'd be divvying it out and Whatever it was, I, I didn't even play that long. I played 20 minutes. I was obviously severely dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up getting fairly fairly hammered. Um, and I remember yeah, being told the next day that uh, as we were dropping him off, I was saying, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go now. <laughs> Taking a detour again to drop off the worst coach in the world. Ornest <laughs> roaring it at the top of my voice, apparently. I was in Syria, he's a lovely guy. <laughs> he's a lovely guy, but I remember not believing it. We had a Romanian friend and we had a, we kinda had a week off the following week, so we had arranged to um go down to the south of France on the Aix en Provence the following day. And we were chatting in the car. I was like, geez, I ended up getting really hammered on the bus outside. He's like, Oh yeah, do you remember what you were saying? <laughs> He's like, shut up, no, no, be. Be trying to rattle me here. And he said, no, 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 I swear, I swear to God. <laughs> and he told me the story about me shouting. Thankfully, he was off the bus at the time, but uh, I was a shell of a man for the rest of that day. No, I'd <laughs> imagine so. <laughs> Wouldn't be like you to get the fear now, would it? Yeah. <laughs> Booked a flight home straight away. Yeah. Is it, did you fly home? We went, uh, or you went out with my brother to the Iron Islands uh, to Ted Fest, and did, did yeah. you get? Did you take a flight <laughs> off the island? I lasted one night. Yeah, 
Well, we, we booked for two nights. Tedfest is fantastic, by the way. Uh, I, I will definitely go back. Um, you had a great costume, actually. I did. Um, I did have a great costume. I couldn't. I wouldn't do that now, though. I don't think I could. I don't think I could hack myself being clean shaven again. Yeah. Too jowl, you know. My <laughs> my old age. But I dressed up as Pat Muster, and it was it was an excellent costume, if I may say so myself. But uh, we could that put up Larry Lee the photo. Uh, good times, good times. Uh, moving on from that, we probably should talk about some bit of rugby from the weekend. Yeah. Should we? <laughs> we'll talk about the Six Nations, sure. We'll be from the weekend. Um, standout performance for me was obviously France against England. Um, yeah, they were flip hot. They, they were, yeah. yeah. They really blew England out of the water. Uh, I think everyone everyone enjoys seeing an English rugby team getting beaten, but particularly following on from Eddie Jones's comments during the week when he was going to. Yeah. He said oh, England were going to show them the meaning of brutality and what Test Rugby was all about and basically, uh, yeah, promising that they'd make mince meat of them. Um, mm. So they really came out of the traps quickly. First 20 minutes absolutely blew them away and it was uh, really just enjoyable to watch. It's great, particularly when a game is on in France and the crowd are behind them and they're getting on top of the... Eng- or they're getting on the backs of the English. And yeah. I just really enjoyed it. Some fantastic performances from plenty of guys that don't have much experience at test level at all what were your thoughts yeah I was saying I I was only I was watching it last night my missus was there and I, she was saying jeez you love like French rugby like I, was there. I do when I was younger they were always unbelievable to watch you know all the players like LSL Yashvili Manya Betts and all Harry Nordic all these lads Dominici I just lo- love watching them and like any time now that they play 10 minutes of good rugby and like they're back yeah. they're back like in the World Cup who did they play the first game the first half they were unbelievable I was like they're going to win the World Cup yeah. but they let me down then every every year so I'm just hoping now that this is it that they're actually yeah. back fully yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think the big difference obviously the addition of Sean Edwards um, yeah. their defence was was just perfect oh, not too dissimilar to what you, you would have seen if Shaq was coaching them I think just really aggressive really hard off the line backing each other uh, hitting to do damage it was uh, yeah, not, so not the kind of defensive performance you'd be used to seeing from France in absolutely not no, they were flying after the line they were so aggressive they were going after all the breakdowns they were really putting England under pressure it was, it was uh, yeah not something you see every day from France and it, it, it seemed to work for them um, they seemed to be a bit more settled as well in terms of like so obviously 7 is the captain though so you have 8, 9, 10 hopefully Fiku and Vakato will kind of <clears throat> that combination will stay together so mm, yeah like if they yes. manage like France traditionally pick one nine and ten for one week and then pick another four or five for the remainder of the Six Nations so um, if they can keep that consistency of selection I think it'll be a big, yeah. big, big I'm delighted to see uh, Teddy Tama back in the wing as well yeah, he yeah. didn't go to the World Cup it, he didn't me. play since he scored those races against Ireland is it? Was yeah he? I think so and I don't know what's going on there he's been unbelievable for him for Racing obviously yeah. Good to see him him they're, they're a very young side they're very inexperienced side really when it comes to test rugby yeah. but um the thing about France is the amount of, and maybe it's starting to, it's starting to pay dividends now. Um, the amount of rugby that guys play at such young ages, there realistically in France, which which is totally different to other places, is that there there are 30, 30 professional teams across the first and second divisions of mm-hmm. club rugby in France. Um, rugby is a very popular sport uh, sport in France, but it's played. You can pretty much draw the line across France halfway down. Below it is rugby above it is football now there's obviously there, that's not an exact um, calculation but largely the, the rugby heartlands are down in the south so it's not like the entire population is mad about rugby either so you've got 30 teams you've got another 6 teams in the 3rd division and that just means that there's an abundance of opportunity for guys who are good enough to play mm. um, I was telling Mank on the way down in the car so the hooker the hooker that would have been there and started in the top 14 last year Etienne Forcad, um, who I would have been kind of going for tit, tit for tat with when I went over first, when we were trying to get promoted from the second division, um, didn't have didn't have a similar experience last year. Yeah. But he is going to Claremont at the end of the season. It's more or less a done deal. Claremont are paying six hundred grand for him to so over there. If you come through an academy system at a club, yeah. the club has to pay kind of damages to the club to 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 kind of I suppose to counter the amount of money that you've put into developing the player which is kind of fair enough and, and is peanuts to a club like Claremont but he's going to Claremont he's 22 years of age and he's played 72 games of professional rugby as a hooker already I hadn't, I didn't make my monster debut until I was 23 so you can imagine as I was yeah, saying yeah. the difference between playing against Belfast Harlequins on a Saturday in <laughs> <laughs> front of 150 people and this guy, this guy played I think 23 out of 26 games in the top 14 last year and he started 18 mm. of them uh, 22 years of age that, that I think that develops 
an exposure and a, and a level of comfort to high level rugby that certainly Irish players for the most part aren't used to and I think you're seeing that now they won the Junior World Championship in 2018 um, they comfortably had the most minutes of professional rugby played out of anyone in the tournament and uh, I think you might start to see that paying dividends with the improvements in coaching that the that we're seeing. Mm. The foreign influence is huge for me. There's a massive uh, lack of foreign influence, certainly at national level. When I was there, Bernard Laporte, who's president of the um, uh, the French, the FFR, they basically they're very proud people. Obviously, the French and they're very proud of the rugby tradition, and there was a lot of chat, uh, particularly after the last few years, about whether they should look at bringing in a head coach who's not from France and Bernard Laporte said look we'll ask all the clubs so he sent around kind of a plebiscite to all the all the amateur clubs in the country however many thousand of them and uh, basically asked what, how would you feel about a foreigner coaching the mm. national team in France I think it was two to one who was defeated so it's <laughs> like absolutely not no yeah. way but I'm glad to see that Sean Edwards is there and I really do think it's it's down to that I think the flair will always be there and that mm. desire to play, but without the the cornerstones, the fundamentals, like a really aggressive and watertight defence, I don't think they'll ever capitalise on the talent that they're producing. Yeah, but it, it brings a bit of discipline as well. I think if you have certain defensive structure and something to fall back on, I think it, like France would be traditionally not the most disciplined of teams, especially in the last couple of years. So I think having him there and that impact will, will, will help them massively going forward. Yeah. Also, I, how we're good France, but I think England were fairly poor, and I do think France's defense did contribute to that that they put them under so much pressure. But I don't like. I think that was probably the worst game Owen Farrell has ever played, and I don't think he'll ever mm. play that badly again. Um, obviously, they lost two Lang early, um, and it, like even what was the final score? Twenty four seventeen was it? Twenty seven seventeen. Should know yeah, that. It was. I say if there was another. If yeah, there was another like, five minutes in the game you could see even though England played that badly yeah. and they had that like, I'm, like it was just it was still a, a close game by the end of it um, so you just got to wonder did they got maybe did they get a bit lucky not lucky I suppose they did put England under that much pressure but mm. um, hopefully that they don't get too ahead of themselves and they show up again next week yeah I think that, that's always a possibility that they'll get carried away I think physically as well you could see England came out of the traps now they obviously got a bollocking at half time so they were always mm. going to come out hard but they came very close actually catching them at the end and from a strength and conditioning point of view I know from my own experience in France that they're, they're quite a quite a bit behind which is, is is I would describe France as being still caught a little bit between the amateur and the professional era I'm sure it's not it's not really the case at internet or at test level but certainly at club level I mean mm like smoking is pretty commonplace there and it's not really frowned upon at all it's kind of laughed at and yeah. <laughs> we used to be going to games and we had this enormous prop um, who I was very good pals with 140 kilos and at, uh, we stopped at a petrol station on the way to an away game you go around the back with the scrummaging coach and have a few fags <laughs> while everyone else was inside buying stuff in the shop and that was just common knowledge like you yeah. know it wasn't, it wasn't frowned upon at all so I think they do have a bit to go. We had a, we had an out half that came to join us halfway through the season, or early on the season, almost halfway through the season from Breve, and uh, he'd kind of fallen out of love there. And uh, he said that an old captain of Breve, and this isn't all. This is like two or three years ago. Um, used to go out without fail at every home game. He'd open the fire escape and go out for a fag, kind of while the manager while the manager was talking, while the coach was <laughs> talking. Second row, this guy would have been earning a lot of money and uh, you know very much would have been a stalwart to the club. Yeah, and yeah. Nobody batted an eyelid at that either. So I, I do like that France retains some of that element, mm. but I think um, they need to they need to realise that that kind of stuff needs to be stamped out if they're going to become major competitors yeah, yeah, at, at international level again. Did you, anyone notice it told you at every break I'm like slapping the ball out of the the nine's hands he kept getting away with it like the ref was saying oh play on it was okay he knocked it backwards but surely that's a penalty no I saw him do it a couple of times he literally tried it without failing to every every break though he got it a few times and then he did it a mall as well and the ref Mm. said he knocked it backwards but then he was actually outside when he picked it up oh yeah yeah I remember that actually yeah I'm not sure I I know if you grab his hand and he messes the pass up that it's it's playing but I, would, I thought slapping the ball like he's not exactly scooping it backwards or anything like he's literally just batting the ball down I'm just amazed that he seems to get away with, with so much even in in general when he was at Saracens when they were winning all the European Cups and Premierships he always got away with stuff it was just mm, yeah. 
It's funny how a guy. Uh, I don't know. Does he know the rules so well? That he knows exactly what he's doing. Sorry, I don't know so much. He's desensitizing the rest to, that's a, to, to, to what's know. happening. Uh, yeah. That's right. I think McCaw was quite similar. McCaw used mm. to get away with murder a bit as well, and um, it's not a good reflection on refereeing. And Nigel Owens wouldn't be one to miss a lot, but I definitely do think he gets away. He gets away with murder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot. What, what pissed me off early doors as well was, um, and I was talking about it online, is that the, the amount of chewing. Yeah, I mean, I, I really do miss it. And that's <laughs> not from, that's you not want to see someone get a good shoe and dunk, do you? Ah, I was distraught. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you'd surely be in agreement the amount of digging, digging for the ball you would have had oh, to there do was in always, years. There was nothing better than getting the fell in the hands who was trying to just be a pain in the ass trying to take the ball out. Clearly, a rock is formed, you know, the ref goes, rock, hands out, and then he doesn't ref it. Mm, yeah, he lets yeah. him take it, so I was always love getting a good old shoe. But even that, like, if a guy tackles and he, and, he, and he rolls maybe twice, he makes a genuine effort to roll, but he's rolling in your direction, he has his hands spread out, you still have to step over and bend yeah. out and pick up the ball, you're not comfortable. Whereas uh, previously, I like I really I don't see the issue in if a guy is lying on the right wrong side of the rock, you using your boot you're using your boot yeah. in a backwards motion to yeah. encourage him to get away. As long as it's obviously not in the head or like a blatant step of, down of course, in yeah. ankle or something like yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's it's not a universally dirty movement, and that's no. why I think it's a, it's overkill to ban it completely because it really does affect the speed of the ball and and it gives license to guys like a Toji who know exactly what point yeah. of the line they can dance on and get away with it yeah. to do that all game and even if it's slowing if it's slowing a ball down by between three quarters of a second and one and a half seconds yeah. that's the job done mm-hmm. um so yeah I'd, I'd be all i'd be all for it um as, as, as uh, tony buckley replied to me online and he said you'd often get you know it didn't matter if it was one of your own players or, or oh, one yeah. of the opposition but it was true i remember getting yeah. zebo in the head before in Thomas park because he was just in the way and it, he was too lazy to roll <laughs> pretty much yeah, he yeah. got stuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first time yeah. Yeah. did uh, uh, anyone in particular stand out for you in that France-England game uh, uh, I, I really like uh, I'm not sure if you, if it's actually pronounced Raté or, or Raté I presume it's Raté we got him Rat yeah. I mean it's, you know, it's, I always love seeing a guy that's he's 72 kilos 72, 72, 72 I think he's yeah. surely one of the lightest back him and Chelsea Coldly how heavy is yeah but I was, I was listening to uh, Raj on TV before and he was just praising how good he is at beating the first defender mm. and then remember he, that fella Mark Andrew that he was playing with uh, Racing Mark Andrew for, yeah. uh, no he played for he, Racing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he was about 5 foot 3 I'd say yeah. and he was an absolute tank oh he's a machine mm, yeah. yeah he reminds but, me of uh, yeah, but he looks unbelievably powerful, and as you said, he was beat, he's easily able to beat the first defender. Mm-hmm. Scored a great try, not a huge fella, and still able to. I think he was part off Ben Youngs, was it for the try? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not a bother to him. And again, uh, you know, he's only played a handful of professional games. And he's getting thrown into mm. international rugby. Um, um, uh, for me, for England, that's still out there. Well, I, I would like to mention Olivan, uh, the oh, yeah. French captain. Um, yeah, just an incredible game too. Like that both, both of his tries, really good old-fashioned sevens tries. Um, just running upfield, supporting there, being in the right place yeah. at the right time. I find actually Jack Conan is probably the best guy in Ireland for doing that. The amount of tries he scores off inside passes from line breaks, he yeah. just knows where to run. I know for nines, it's something that's kind of to be expected, really, that upfield support line. But I think forwards are much slower to yeah. actually buy into it. But um, yeah, I, I really like seeing old school back row tries like that, just yeah, being in the right place at the right time. And that's it. And even as you, when I was learning out as a winger, um, I got a great cue with just following the referee to get an upfield support line. Because if you watch any of the refs, they're always mm-hmm. in a position to score a try and they take the shortest route to their rook, so they're always in super upfield support line. So, yeah. in my early days, I found myself following the referee a lot and finding myself in very good positions. Yeah. It's yeah. not a bad one, actually. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. good. I've never heard that before, actually. Yeah. The, uh, I thought the eight was very good as well, Aldred. Mm, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he had an outstanding game. Yeah, but attacking defensively, I thought he was just very physical, and mm. um, England didn't get much change out of him. Yeah, uh, I think at scrum time they struggled a little bit, particularly when uh, the they, they, yeah. they swapped toilets and uh, Jimbo Bamba came on, who's a very powerful ball carrier. Carrier, he's only twenty two years of age as well. Yeah. Will be, I think, an excellent player, but. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he was definitely exposed um, and they're probably lucky that that didn't cost them more points, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Owens refed it quite generously in their favour, but we don't mind seeing that when it's the no, English no. that are... Yeah. I think uh, one of the, I suppose, positives for England was Sam Underhill. I think he's mm. 
Just a ridiculous player. Do you remember yeah. when he played for Ospreys against us? He was about 19. Yeah, and he had two tours apparently. He about 12 turnovers. Absolutely, absolutely head off uh, Andrew yeah. Conway as well. Yeah, head off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's actually just saying, like body and everything. Like, yeah, the no neck, big shoulders. Slightly stockier, yeah. Yeah, he was a machine underage and you can see his transferring over and out to international rugby. Even during the World Cup, he was an absolute animal. Yeah, he's just, I think, he's in everything. He's tackling, carrying, poaching. He's, must be absolutely battered after every battered. game. Yeah, that's right. He must he must take good good care of himself. Yeah, I remember that, as I said that day in Muscat Park, I was like, "Holy shit, who is this fella? He is absolutely killing us." Yeah, I remember Axel like lost it with us on the Monday, and just basically showed a highlight reel of him absolutely <laughs> killing everyone in every aspect. Like, Axel's probably trying to sign him after yeah, that I was like, game. Can I just yeah. sign him? Like, uh, speaking of young back rows, uh, it wasn't the best start to proceedings for Caelan Doris. Um, no, in, in a injury, oh, well, he, he got a turnover after 90 seconds, which yeah. you're like, geez, he's going to be in for a If he was on for five minutes and he managed to do something notable, <laughs> did the same happen to uh, Polly in his first cap? It did, yeah. yeah he got yeah. a try, didn't he, off him all? And he got a try, was concussed in the scoring of the yeah, try, yeah. doesn't remember scoring the try, and kind of did a, did a lap of honour, he describes it as, I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure how accurate that is. But I remember they zoomed him and he was bawling crying, I presume yeah. that was the effects of the concussion, as opposed to... Yeah, he was a much younger looking man than she had, had hair. The class <laughs> he didn't lose it graciously cap. like you, he, he lost it all very quickly. Yeah. Graciously, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, I suppose if Quillen Dars has any career... Anywhere near as as good as Polly's, it'll be. Uh, he'd be only happy, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, he what, seems what like it? he seems like the full package. I know so far. He's yeah. been a, mm. even in the Pro 14. He's been uh, been very good for Leinster, and obviously they've Max Deegan there as well, who's been they've kind of been chopping and changing him six and eight, and one's playing one week, the other's playing yeah. the next week. Um, Didn't actually realise he was that big. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, mm. Jesus. Yeah. Um, unbelievably physical, really powerful, kind of like a young Jamie Heaslip in his stature and builds. Yeah. Um, and obviously has a lot about him as well. I think he's originally from Mayo, I think someone was saying. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and came in and started living in Black Rock at a, at a young age and actually was living on his own apartment. Um, was that right, Joe, when he came up to school? Yeah, came to school to board there. And, um, you know, he's making his way through the system. Obviously got his first cap note the weekend. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see a lot more of him going forward. Absolutely. Or CJ was saying that... Uh, his father tapped him on the shoulder was it about a year ago or so or 18 months ago and said my son's going to take your jersey obviously everyone has to go like oh isn't that, isn't that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be so pissed off if someone's yeah, father came up and told me that I remember being in Thoman Park uh, she would have been maybe 2005 or so 2005-2006 it was a, a Celtic League game as it would have been at the time and one of the kind of cheekier lads in Meyer who, who played hooker went up and you know, bear in mind this is a 15, 16 year old tapped Flan on the shoulder and said I'm going to take your jersey in a few years and I remember Flan just literally giving him the stare of death <laughs> so he wanted to rip his head from his body this is a harmless little teenager a dweeby little teenager uh, yeah, it wasn't Keith Wood by any chance huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so yeah um, what were your thoughts on the Irish performance Mike? Yeah, um, obviously a good win, good start to the campaign. It's I thought I thought were excellent as yeah, well. I thought they were good. I though. thought they were so physical. They were out of the blocks. They were, I thought they were incredible. I thought Ireland, uh, Johnny Sexton took his try extremely well. Something different that we wouldn't have seen. Nice little play, um, little they, micro play. People keep highlighting this. They did that in the World Cup that play, and in Glasgow have literally been doing it for two two years. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's fuck like, it, Ireland got away with it. This new play that they this is showing the new coaches like. It's not like they've used it before, but it's just... Talk us through it. What is it exactly? So look, it's a... Basically, they've been picking and going for a while. So they have the guy at the back of the rock who's going to pick it and the two support players who are meant to drive him through. So Murray's obviously at the back of the two lads who are meant to hammer the guy through with the pick and go. He pops it to the two forwards, gives it back to Murray, centre short off him and out the back to the ten. So it's just like, obviously, the defence are all bunched in just in the phase or thinking that they're going to just keep picking and going, picking and going. So it's just... It's obviously a great time to use it and it's a good play, but to say that it's like showing the new yeah, style of coaching. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, but look, if Stuart had got in the corner there and dropped the ball yeah, over the line, yeah, it's a different game. absolute clanger. I love the, the celebration afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He couldn't have slammed yeah. it down harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even slam it because he didn't have any control yeah. of it. It just but happened out of his head. something going around, I think, of one of the, the Scottish... Uh, substitutes were all at the back of that and just put his hands in his head he's like oh no and Stuart Hawkins running after his finger in the air celebrating he's like fuck shut up yeah. did, you ever, did you ever have any moments like that I'd, I'd won against uh, Glasgow in 
uh, down here in Cork. Um, oh, I remember yeah, yeah. Uh, you put Yak away and uh, he put it back inside to me and uh, yeah, I was clean through like and I went to put it down with one hand and uh, I think it was Ali Price come up from behind me and just knocked it out as I put it down but I regathered it straight away and just tried to play it off so oh, cool. yeah. I was like, oh yeah, try, try and I kind of whispered, I think it was Tyler was playing 10 I whispered, I go, kick, take, 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 kick and then they blew it up and uh, had a look closer look, yeah, so uh, yeah, you can. Ha- you have to give it the big one, regardless. Yeah, yeah. You, you, ha- you have to kind of place this, plant the seed of yeah. doubt. But the hugs one was so obvious that there was like, it was a bit ridiculous. In front of the camera, in front of the touch, touch judge, uh, <laughs> with the TMO these days, like they check everything. Is that like he was gonna? Yeah. What about you, Williams? Any clangers like that? Uh, no, I didn't really get many free run-ins over the touch over the try line uh, with in my, peop- in my lack heads, of pace. Yeah. People's heads on the other hand. <laughs> in people's heads on the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bastard! Yeah, it's yeah. fault again. Oh yeah, actually, sorry, I did. Oh, sorry, I didn't have a clanger score in the try. But you remember that um, that intercept Barkley got off me over in the Scarlets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, he, he was miles offside. As, yeah, you as was your special team training against me as well, actually. Yeah, but no, yeah. that was actually like the perfect storm. So we won the ball at two in the line out. It came straight off the top, which was never meant to happen. It's meant mm. to be a down and pop. And then Keats drifted about 15 yards wider because he saw a man coming and literally literally just went straight into Barkley's uh, I think was bread it basket. Dave, was it Barkley? I think it was Dave. Johnny no? Barkley, I think. Uh, yeah. um, anyway, I remember checking it subsequently and he was miles offside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't mention no. uh, the name of the referee. Was, <laughs> it, was it the dud? <laughs> it was. <laughs> we could do a five-minute segment on the dud every week as well. <laughs> I remember, was it the following, was it the following year or two years later? He disallowed, he disallowed another try of yours for that. You said at the end, it wouldn't be an away trip to Scarlet's unless he screwed me over. <laughs> no, did he send me? No, I think it was it was a disallowed try, I think. I remember one, the only kind of bag clanger I had at a professional level was, uh, it was my second appearance in Munster. And, uh, oh, the, was it not the line-out in Saracens? Sorry, I mean scoring a try. Oh, there, there were multiple clangers. <laughs> oh, that line-out against Saracens <laughs> is the best. Yeah. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's, it's, I remember finding it on YouTube there somewhere. Ah, it's not there it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. He was through it at the back it of his neck. Good, He's yeah. facing the other way. <laughs> That's probably enough for today, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, been a pleasure. We, did, we didn't really chat. get too much of a review of the rugby, but it was... Uh, uh, ah, sure. That's been done to no, death already. No one wants to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, thanks a million for calling in to us. Uh, the very best of luck with your continued retirement and the yeah. next project. Yeah, thanks, Mill, for having me, Les. And uh, Williams, we'll see you Great next week. Uh, yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> thanks for listening. Take care. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.